Hi, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Dying to Ask podcast. Now, you might have seen the subject matter and thought, hmm, that seems a little bit out of brand for this particular podcast. It's all about self-improvement, self-help. But I would say that finding ways to help others during a time of international crisis is a great way to help yourself in that I think a lot of people watching everything that's happening in Ukraine right now are seeing themselves in some of these images on TV because these mass evacuation scenes, you see every age, you see all kinds of different backgrounds, you see mothers, you see fathers, you see kids, you see students, you see old people. You see a lot of yourself in these people who just a couple of weeks ago were living pretty ordinary lives thinking there's no way that this could happen, and yet it has. And what I've learned is that there is an organization at UC Davis called Article 26 Backpack. And I heard about it through such a random way. I was out on a run with a friend um, whose daughter is a student at UC Davis and is involved in this program. And she was telling me about this remarkable thing her kid was helping with where she was doing social media outreach to let Ukrainian students and young professionals know that there's a safe place to upload their documents. So they're educational documents that prove that they have completed certain levels of education or people who've actually graduated from college and have diplomas from different universities or certifications to do different kinds of jobs. Because the thing is, if you're basically on the run for your life, you're not bringing the diploma from the wall and not having the proof of these documents can be critical to how long it takes you to start a life over if you don't get to go back home and resume your former life. So we've seen this time and time again. We certainly saw it this summer after the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, where a lot of people who had worked with the American government literally had to burn their documents because they didn't want to show their affiliation to um, American troops, to the American government, for fear of retribution for their families. So Article 26 Backpack is this free program where if you, you create an email, or if you have an email, you take your email, you take your cell phone, you take pictures of your documents, and you upload them to a safe cloud, which is able to store those documents. And then you can get into your backpack account, as they call it, and they can then share those documents with universities, with employers, with whomever they need to at a, a later time. There are about 2,000 people around the world who have taken advantage of this, everywhere from Afghanistan to Rwanda, Lebanon, and now in Ukraine. So the push is on now to let people know um, what's happening and that this, this is a safe service that is available. So what's the ask for you today? Retweet. That's all I'm suggesting. Go check out their Twitter. It's uh, easy to find. Just search Article 26 Backpack. You'll see it on Twitter. And share one of their tweets because that is clearly the easiest, simplest, fastest way you can do something very small that might have a big impact down the road for people you will never meet, but people who perhaps you have seen on TV over the last couple of weeks. So today, my guest is Dr. Keith Wattenpow. This is his program, and <laughs> it's really quite amazing how... He is helping solve a complex problem through such simple ways. He is um, a human studies professor at the University of California, Davis, and UC Davis is providing the server space and the safe space for people to store these documents. So anybody on Backpack right now has the same security that the students and the staff at UC Davis have. That is huge. And they do this basically with a couple of volunteers. So some students, Dr. Wattenpow, and people around the world who have that shared mission of trying to protect this information. So give it a listen. I think you'll find it utterly fascinating. Um, 20 minutes with a college professor is a little terrifying. I'm not going to lie. 
I did feel a little bit like I was back in college at the University of Missouri a million years ago, but I really enjoyed the conversation. And one point that really stood out to me, and hopefully you'll listen to it and you'll, you'll hear why I was so surprised. He was telling a story about where he was when he found out about the Taliban uprising. And he literally will tell you he was on a sailboat in Sausalito and he woke up and was able to see what happened, pick up his cell phone and start putting backpack into action to help people. And I found that just remarkable that somebody having such an ordinary moment in our country could, with the power of a cell phone, make a massive impact for somebody going through a crisis so far away. So check this out. Again, it's Article 26 Backpack, and um, we'll have all the links for you. The easiest way, though, is just to search Article 26 Backpack on Twitter. All right, enjoy. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track and living our best Instagrammable lives best lives-ish, the reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Well, thank you so much for letting us come out today. You're welcome. Thank really you been for looking, coming. Yeah, of course. You know, um, it's always fun to come back to a college campus and have no stress on me. <laughs> There's no stress level rising mm-hmm. about a paper that I have not turned in or something like that. Right. What is Article 26 Backpack? What's the easiest way to explain it to people? Sure. It's a way for uh, displaced university students, academics, human rights defenders, anyone who really needs to safeguard their critical academic documentation, their credentials, research uh, and that need to, to protect it to make sure that it doesn't, it's not lost or stolen or destroyed, or as we found in the case of Afghanistan, it could be used against them. Uh, and so Backpack creates a way for students to organize these materials, upload them onto a server that we host here at UC Davis and protect here at UC Davis so that they can then access those materials anywhere in the world. And this is something that you came up with? This is something that developed from uh, years of multidisciplinary research that we've done here at UC Davis into the lives and the needs of refugee and other displaced university students as we seek to protect and defend the human right to education. Do you remember when this started like coming into your head and you thought that was a good idea? <laughs> Absolutely. So in 2013, um, about this time during, a, during spring break, I, was, uh, I led a group of researchers to Jordan to the Zaatari refugee camp, which at that point was the largest Syrian refugee camp in the world. The war in Syria had, be, had been raging for two years, a war very similar to the war that we're seeing now in the Ukraine. Uh, and we met with a group of university students and we were wondering, you know, are you going to be able, re- in a refugee camp, and are, you, are you going to be able to continue your education or do you want to continue your education? And they said, yes, we want to, but we're beginning to face all sorts of, of barriers. And so we took it upon ourselves to try to understand what some of those barriers were so that we could lower them, so that they could reconnect with higher education. And one of the things that they kept on talking about is they would go somewhere to try to apply, and some registrar or a, a clerk would say, well, where's this piece of paper? Where's that piece of paper? And in some cases, they were being asked to go back into Syria to find their paperwork 
and they just left Syria. They'd fled Syria for their lives, so there was no way they were going to go back in. So we thought there must be a way we can take this problem off the table entirely. And so that's the origin point uh, for the Article 26 backpack. And of course, it's named for the 26th article of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, uh, which establishes for all of us the human right to education. So, and that includes refugees and displaced uh, people. And so eventually we were, we were able to persuade other colleagues, for example, in the registrar field in the United States and elsewhere to join with us in this project to develop a way that not only would would be easy to use for refugees, people in low bandwidth uh, environments who might just have a cell phone that they could use to take pictures of their documents and upload them, but then also would be useful to universities and employers and scholarship agencies on the other side. And so in 2017, we received a large grant from the Ford Foundation, um, which allowed us then to develop the digital platform entirely by ourselves here at UC Davis. Uh, and uh, from that beginning, where we had it mostly, we had it first in English and then in Arabic. We've expanded out to three additional languages, Spanish, French, and Dari, which is the Persian of Afghanistan, uh, to reach now over 2,000 backpackers around, around the world who have, who have entrusted us at UC Davis with safeguarding and protecting their academic credentials and documents so that if anything happens to them, right, through those documents, you know, they're lost, they're stolen, they're destroyed. The young people have to flee at a moment's notice. Um, that once they reach a place of safety, a few clicks on an iPad or at a terminal, and they can retrieve all their documents, print them out, and then have them ready to go. Was it a hard sell with people to get them to upload documents? I mean, the number one thing we're always telling people is That's be careful right. of those documents. But if I'm being told I got to go back into Syria, I think I'd probably trust anybody who said, I'll, I'll take care of this stuff. Right, and so that's, I, we live in a world today where if, if someone comes to you and says, hey, trust me with your documents, <laughs> right? And so this is, this is one of these very important elements of why we've decided to do this at UC Davis, yeah. which is that we've put our name on it, I've put my name on it. Uh, we're telling people that it's safe with us and we're very clear that we don't mind data we don't look at them as commodities. We look at them as friends and colleagues that we're trying to help out in a time of need. Uh, and then also we've, we've eschewed any participation with companies that might want to mine their data or have access to information. But it's still a hard sell, it's still a hard sell. And so what we found is that even though we've developed this very um, robust digital platform, that it's human to human interaction, which is very important for, for building the level of trust uh, that will persuade people that not only should they do this, but also that they can and it will, it will be safe. And so that's part of why we developed alongside the backpack a very human element, which is the backpack guide system. And so backpack guides are usually um, young people at UC Davis, partnering with young people in the areas affected by turmoil or areas of need, who build a, a partnership together over time. And we then, we then entrust our partners overseas to, uh, to do the, uh, the teaching and information raising, consciousness raising necessary for to do it, and then to sit with people and help them uh, register. And so many of the photographs that, 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 that we've shared with you are in fact other young people, often from the refugee communities themselves, who've learned how to use backpack, who value backpack, and see this as an important element of 
protecting the human right to education. Yeah, I mean, it's doing that, doing the work, right? That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's the power of word of mouth with people that you trust. But it's also that I think we get we've gotten too far away in many ways from understanding how, even in times of terrible need, a one person reaching out to another person is an incredibly important human act. Mm -hmm. And it's telling them that even though you're displaced, even though you're a refugee, you have rights, you matter, and we can help you in this limited field, right? There's not a lot more we can do, but at least we can do this with you uh, to make sure that your, your materials are safe. We live in a world that wants documents of people. And Americans always take, they always think, oh yeah, I can always get a copy of, of this, right? And I think about our neighbors up in places like Paradise and so on, who everything was destroyed without you know, they thought they put it into a, into a, in a safe place that would stand the forest, fi the forest fires, and it's gone. And so this is something even useful here, you know, as, as our lives become more affected by changes in climate and forms of disruption. So after, over the last couple of months, we have seen uh, in Afghanistan and now Ukraine, mm -hmm. people literally, you know, fleeing for their lives with nothing and not mm -hmm. a lot of time to think about what right. they're doing. So talk a little bit about how Backpack has grown here in the last few months and what specifically is happening right. in Ukraine right now. Right, and so we, our best practice, and this will be a little wonky, but our, our best practice. I love wonky. All right, our best <laughs> practice is that you use Backpack. You enroll in Backpack, upload your materials, get everything together before you need it, right? But yeah, there's a reason why the scout motto is be prepared, because people <laughs> just aren't, right? right. They, just, they just don't, they don't, something like an invasion or the fall of the Taliban, I think for many people was so unthinkable and happened so quickly that they were, they were caught unawares, right? Um, and that would be true for natural disaster and other things as well. And so even though we would love it if people, when they're in safety and security, do it and just put it together and you know, they're ready to go, um, usually they don't. So just as background, we're doing a major project in Rwanda right now where it is exactly that kind of circumstance where it's a, a place of safety for refugees from conflicts in Burundi and, the, and Congo. It's a place of safety. We've partnered with, with uh, young people from the refugee communities there. They're spending time getting people enrolled, you know, going to schools and to college classrooms, and they're doing it, and it's working wonderfully. So that's the ideal situation, right? But we're also prepared for the, for the more difficult situation. So with Afghanistan, uh, what we saw was that um, usually uh, organizations that we had contact with, who had contact with people in Afghanistan, for example, Fulbright or the U.S. Agency for International Development and their partners there, were able to reach out to people they'd worked with in the past to get them to bring their materials in. Simply, social media has not been as effective as I think we, we, had, we had imagined, mm -hmm. in part because you're deluged by, with all sorts of misinformation on social media, so people have become very skeptical of it. Uh, so with Afghanistan, we were able to uh, do things using, uh, one of the wonderful things about UC Davis is we have people here who know, who know Persian, who know Arabic, who know Dari, who know Spanish, who know Ukrainian now, wh whom we can reach out to to help in terms of developing materials in those languages to, to again build this sort of sense of trust but also convey accurate information. And so with Afghanistan, we, um, I, I remember this very plainly. I, re I remember I was on my sailboat and sleeping in Sausalito and NPR came on and 
said the United States was that is like the beginning of one of the best stories ever. Okay. Great line. All right. So, <laughs> and the sun is rising. It's a nice warm yeah. morning in the in the bay, which is surprising. And NPR comes on and says, the United States is evacuating the embassy in Kabul. And I'm thinking, I thought we had more time. Yeah. I even thought we had more time. And so I contacted my friends at the American Association of Collegiate Registrars and Admissions Officers, who I often refer to as the most important people you've never met, <laughs> because they know where your records are. Right. Right? They help move these things around the United States. And um, so we embarked upon a plan. We were able to call on resources that we have here at Davis, former students, current students who could speak some Persian or Dari to record mm -hmm. YouTube videos. We developed tweets and we were able to push the information out. But I also remember writing hundreds of emails to former Fulbrighters or Humphreys Fellows and others saying, use this tool. Mm -hmm. We collaborated with PEN America and with other organizations in, in helping get the word out as well. And then our guides very generously would start having office hours at 10 p.m. at night and running through the night. And sometimes people got a hold of us and sometimes they couldn't, but we were communicating directly with right. people in Afghanistan. So using this. the information you had from just a couple of months ago, as this Ukraine situation just exploded mm -hmm. in the last week and a half, what has happened? So we, we, we've got, uh, we, our, our students and I sort of have begun to track these kinds of, of situations where we think that we could anticipate the, where the backpack might be useful. And so Ukraine was that, right? Beginning in early February, there was this sort of massing of troops, and we said, well, this, this is this, we're, we're watching a, the same movie. Mm -hmm. it's, it's unfolding. And so we, sp we sprang into action, and we started doing, uh, getting translations done, uh, developing social media, QR codes, and so on that we could start to share out, and we did, right? And no, no, one, no one expressed a lot of interest at that point uh, where we would have really wanted to, to, to engage people. But as the crisis, of course, worsened and then the invasion took place and the war began, um, that is, that's changed. Um, and we're beginning to uh, have, we're beginning to develop partnerships with uh, universities on the front lines, like in Poland, for example, um, who will be able, I think, to help some of the people who have fled. Uh, but we're still trying to get information into Ukraine. Now, of course, we understand that, that there are other things happening, uh, but, but our goal is to make sure that at least some information about backpack is there for people, people to use if they, if they need to do it. Yeah. How many backpackers are there at this point? There are 2,000 across the world. It's so a lot of people. It is. It it's is. a lot of lives. Yeah, I think so. And, but I think for us, what's very important is we've, we've accomplished the goal that for those 2,000 people, Whatever they've stored with us, no matter where they are in the world now, no matter what situations they confront, that they can walk into a cyber cafe in Paris, or they can go to a library in Berlin, or they can go to downtown Kigali in Rwanda, or they can go to Beirut, they can do a few clicks, and they can, they can get access to these critical materials without having to expose themselves to further danger, or the kinds of discrimination that is often um, that is often confronts refugees when they don't have proper documentation. Yeah. Because without having documentation, it makes it very difficult to go back to school. It makes it very mm -hmm. difficult That's to right. get a job. It makes it very difficult to continue That's in a right. profession that you have already That's been right. certified for. Right. These are all the th all the elements of it, and so we encourage people to upload 
transcripts, uh, letters of recommendation, uh, creative works, especially if people are artists, um, research, uh, particularly in the field of, of human rights research and so on, but also other kinds of research that might be, uh, might be controversial or might ca cause them problems, but also certificates of achievement, of training, and then finally the whole category of professional credentials, which often disappear. And again, in, the, in Afghanistan, we, we really also sense that since so many Afghans had for so many years been engaged not just in working for the United States, but being trained by the United States, being part of, of the American-supported educational infrastructure in Afghanistan, that those documents were not only important for them to have if they needed to move on, but also needed to be, um, the, the original copies needed to be destroyed so that they would not expose themselves to harm at the hands of the Taliban. How many people actually work with Backpack now? So right now we have a, a one of the other goals of Backpack is to do it in a very inexpensive and efficient mm -hmm. way. I know that's not always what we associate universities with. <laughs> and uh, so there's I'm going to point out that you said I that. Said I that. did not. I, said that. <laughs> I think that Gary May would, would, would appreciate that comment. Uh, and we, we have a director, who's me, an, an executive director, who's a member of the staff here at, at Global Affairs. But then what, what's really made backpack work is this uh, sort, of, uh, sort of group of interns coming from across campus, many of whom are associated with the Human Rights Studies program mm -hmm. uh, here at UC Davis, who bring their, multi, their multilinguistic skills to bear on the backpack, their incredible dedication and curiosity as well. So they're really at the forefront. And one of the areas that we're um, moving into is really using backpack also as a way to build solidarity and uh, uh, cooperation on a peer-to-peer -peer level. Because one of our goals in human rights studies at UC Davis is training the next generation of human rights leaders. And so backpack provides a way not only for our young people at UC Davis to engage in meaningful human rights work around the world, but that also to build relationships with similar young people across the globe. Because those relationships um, and the, the building of those relationships is absolutely fundamental if we're, going to, um, if we're going to put them in a position to lead us um, in the future. So that's, that's been one of the unanticipated uh, benefits of Backpack is that it's providing this unparalleled opportunity for us to train leaders in human rights. This must be a very gratifying project to work with given the scope of the work you've done over the years. When I, when I look at it from 10,000 feet, it's absolutely wonderful. When I'm in the trenches, it's often very frustrating because we, not only do we encounter some really wonderful collaborators abroad, uh, we've encountered sort of interesting um, kind of digital snake oil salesmen who want to engage, you know, sell us expensive products and get us into blockchain. And then also uh, just the, the, the difficulties sometimes in working with educational bureaucracies or the United Nations. So on one hand, they can be very supportive. On the other hand, they, they, can, they can be very frustrating. But 2,000 backpackers around the world is really testament not only to how useful backpack is, but also to the incredible work of people here at UC Davis and around the world to make it so. People are watching some pretty horrifying images on television mm -hmm. and reading some 
hard to comprehend things in newspapers. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody I run into is like, I don't know what I can do. What mm -hmm. can they do to help out with Backpack? What can people do well, to back, One is just to make sure that the, we spread the word about Backpack, that uh, we've, one of the things that we've, we've been able to draw upon here in California is California is home to people from all over the world. Some who have fled as refugees, some who have come to seek a better life, but often still maintain very strong connections with areas in parts of the world where backpack is useful. And so that's one of the, area, one of the fields, is that those, those Californians who have good connections, who are mm -hmm. part of these diasporan communities here, especially in, in the Sacramento area, where you know, we perhaps the most diverse population in the entire state, as far as I can, I can tell, um, and also refugee populations have settled in this part of California for 100 years, uh, that they can reach back with their networks to make sure that awareness of Backpack is there. Uh, we've also, um, we also need resources to continue to improve and develop uh, Backpack, uh, especially as we, our numbers increase, we're going to have to create more server space for them, uh, which is a, a great problem to have, mm -hmm. right? It's a great problem to have. But also, we, we need resources in order to, um, to, to harden Backpack and to think about ways that we can um, use it to engage in other kinds of forms of support, from helping with self, soft skills development to using it as a pivot for developing scholarship and other training opportunities, but then also how we can uh, use Backpack to expand opportunities for our own uh, young people here in Northern California so that they can then take on the mantle of leadership in this field um, down the road. Um, take it out 10 years, what do you hope it's like? <sighs> well, ten, our, our real goal, our real goal over the long term is that everyone on the planet has access to something like Backpack. That in other words, that they can take their most important academic documentations, their most important credentials, and they can store them in a way that they see as necessary to maintain not only their access to future lifelong educational opportunities, to credentialing and so on, but that, that, that it's also, that they feel comfortable that it's stored there rather than with a, with a commercial company or with a government. Um, and that there's a certain freedom to that autonomy that comes with it. But we also want everyone in the world to get a backpack because I think then they'll begin to understand and appreciate the difficulties faced by refugees and other displaced people as well so that they can stand in solidarity with them. Um, you know, we, we don't see backpack as just a tool for refugees. Not, they're the people in most need, so this is where we're putting our extremely limited resources first. Uh, but over time, we want everyone to use it um, and to normalize this idea that your credentials, your documents, records of your education belong to you, not to a government, not to a university, they're yours. And it's part of your digital being, um, part of your credentialed being that you need to have when you reach out into the world. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's really interesting. Thank you. I'm just a huge fan of how simplistic this program is. I mean, I think that the barrier for entry is just so easy, and that's why people are able to take advantage of it. And I can only imagine that in the next five to 10 years, this program will explode and be able to help so many people in so many other kinds of ways. You can learn more about this program 
honestly, by just going to Twitter, it's the easiest way. And you'll find the links to Article 26 Backpack at UC Davis as well. So give it a search, give them a retweet and share some of this information. You never know who might see it and whose life might be changed. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Dying to Ask. We'll see you again next time.